Hi, this is Pastor Bill Woods, and I just want to wish you a happy time wherever you are. We happen to be celebrating the fair up here this week, and I'm looking forward to spending some time with my uh, grandkids, uh, Ariel and Elijah, and our two great grandbabies. It's going to be an exciting time. I wanted to talk to you today about uh, the a story that I heard one of the missionaries tell, Reverend Smelzenball, one of the missionaries in the Church of the Nazarene, told it years ago, and I, I was so impressed, and I would like to share it with you. It's called, They Cry in the Night. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19, it says, Today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses, now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. They cry in the night. They perish in the dark, cried the dying pioneer missionary. These were the words of Nazarene missionary Harmon Smelzenball, who was the first Nazarene missionary to go to Swaziland, Africa, uh, way back in the early 1900s. He heard from a white rancher who lived in a protected place on a high bank of the Limpopo River in Africa. Directly across the river on a low-lying, fertile, almost encircled piece of land was a native village of several hundred people. The white man on the high bank and the African man on the low bank were good friends. The white rancher owned a raft made of mahogany logs. This was his only way to cross the river when he visited the native village. The villagers thought the crocodile-infested river would continue to flow peacefully as it had in other years. One night, though, between eight and nine o'clock, it suddenly rose seven or eight feet, and before they knew the real danger, the swollen waters had crept up around the huts and the outer rim of the village. With the rising water came crocodiles that snatched away sleeping children and some of the old or sick people lying near their open fires. Piercing shrieks rent the heavens. At ten o'clock, the men were calling across the river, White man, come over and help us! White man, help us! The distracted white man told Reverend Smelzenball, I wanted to help, but what could one man do alone in such as distress? I went to the edge of the dark, swirling waters. I saw driftwood floating. I saw huts floating by. Dead animals were carried by the stream. I knew that no living being could cross that river, that terrible torrent that night. I wrung my hands, and I tried to pray. At 11 o'clock, the whole village was shrieking and sobbing and moaning and praying, praying to the white man, praying to the white man's God, praying to the black man's spirits. Their prayers and their pleadings were in vain. At 12 o'clock, the housetops, rocks, and trees were full of clinging dark forms. Their hoarse voices pleaded and begged, White man, white man, help us, please help us. A sudden scream, a splash, one after another was pulled or fell from his rock or tree. Frightened cries echoed back from down the dark river as frail huts and fallen trees moved out into the current, carrying their clinging forms to certain death. 
Lower and lower sounded their hoarse voices until finally there was but a hopeless, desperate moan that reached the ears of the tormented white man who now was pacing the shore and praying, My God, my God, why didn't I do what I knew I should have done? Before two o'clock in the morning, all was silent. No glaring headlights lines reported the African tragedy, but the rancher and the missionary couldn't forget the opportunity that he missed and the eternal consequences for lost natives that might have been rescued. You know, for 6,000 years, the river of life has been in flood. God's people should have removed the lost souls from the island. We have excused ourselves by saying it was just too big a task and impossible to accomplish. Already the crocodiles of sin have swallowed up millions of old and sick ones and multiplied millions of children and youth. There's not much time left for us to rescue the lost. The night is upon us. Today, as we watch prophecies being fulfilled, we know it's not going to be long until Jesus Christ calls things to the halt. Then it will be too late. The mad waters of this river have already cut off whole countries and nations. The people of these lands have taken to the treetops and high rocks, and most of them don't even sense their danger until it's too late. The crocodiles of low are no morals, gay marriage, abortion on demand, drugs, alcohol, and a host of other things that are wicked and evil are destroying their souls. While we watch the world is being set up for the great tribulation with Antichrist and his one world religion and one world government and Mark of the Beast that's told us all about in, in Revelation and the swift current is carrying millions to hell. Yes, hell does exist and yes, it will last for eternity, which means forever and ever without end. We have a choice because there are two rivers sweeping towards eternity, the river of life and the river of death. We must choose which one we will go with. Deuteronomy 30:19 again says, Today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. While we hesitate, untold millions of souls are plunging into an eternal hell. Some of them are friends and loved ones. Don't we care? How will you answer at that final judgment when they question why you didn't warn them? Why did you let them come to this horrible place? It might not seem so urgent today, but we will have remorse when we see the many opportunities that we let slip by because we didn't reach out for Jesus. We hear all kinds of excuses why we should not be concerned about hell. People say, well, if you live a good life, you'll not go to hell. That's not true. They say, if your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds, you will go to heaven. Again, that's false. Some real rationalize that hell is a manufactured threat from the dark ages. The church intended to scare people so they could control them and keep them in line. Too many ask, how could a loving God send anyone to hell? Right? Listen to me. He doesn't send anyone to hell. He has done all he can to provide forgiveness and eternal life for you, except he's not going to force your will. 
He will let you go to hell if that is your choice. However, because as Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death, and we're told in Hebrews 9.22, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Someone had to pay the price that you could not pay with, and they, he had to pay it with his own blood for your forgiveness of sin and to keep you out of hell. It would take someone who was perfect and had no sins of his own to repent for, uh, to atone for. Since you and I have sinned, we are disqualified. We couldn't pay the price. It would take someone who had no sins of his own to die and shed his perfect blood for us as the perfect sacrifice for our sins. Enter Jesus Christ, the only one who ever lived without sinning. Romans 6.23, the second part says, But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Because he loved us, Jesus left heaven to become a human to die and provide uh, the, the river of life so that we could be saved from the consequences of sin. That means if I want to find the river of life and, and have my sins forgiven and go to heaven, I will only find it through Jesus Christ. And I'm sorry to inform you that Buddha, Confucius, uh, Zoroaster, Mohammed, Mary Baker Eddy, Ellen G. White, Joseph Smith, John Wesley, even Joe Osteen, or any other religious founder will, let you, will not let you escape hell and get to heaven. They are all sinners like we are. Their blood cannot atone for your sin. Their blood cannot even atone for their own sins. Only Jesus Christ, God's only begotten Son, can pay the price for your atonement. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It is so important that you accept God's plan of salvation that Jesus has provided for you by his own blood while you, that you accept him while you still have time. If you die without confessing your sins to Jesus Christ and accepting him as your Savior, it will mean an eternity in hell for you. When Christ is your Savior, you don't have to fear death or eternity because you know God is going to take care of you. Years ago, I heard the compelling story of a young pastor whose son was very sick and not expected to live long. Night after night, the pastor and his wife would put their boy to bed and say a prayer, hoping for a miracle. One evening, the boy asked his father, Daddy, what does it feel like to die? Well, the dad struggled to speak a word. He felt a, a catch in his throat. He said a quick prayer for courage, but his hand, and he put his hand on the face of his child and said, Son, it's something like this. Night after night, you go to sleep on the couch watching your favorite TV shows. You don't know it, but I find you asleep and come and take you in my arms to a, and place you in the room that I built for you with my own hands. The young pastor could barely finish because of the emotion he was feeling. And, and son, one of these days you are going to fall asleep here, but don't be afraid. Jesus is going to come and pick you up and take you to a spatial room that he has built just for you. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. Let's, let's listen to the whole passage. 
Again, John 14, 1 through 6. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know the way. Where are you going? How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You know, he has a place prepared for you too. Make certain that you claim it. If you've not yet accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me tell you what is involved. First is repentance, making a uh, uh, telling God that you're sorry for your sins and making an about-face Quit doing sin and start trying to live for Jesus Christ. Then you confess your sins to him and you ask him to forgive you of your sins and ask him to be your savior and claim him and all that he's done as your personal Lord and Savior. Again, listen to Deuteronomy thirty nineteen. Today I've given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. What a wonderful thing it is to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, to have the assurance that when you die, you have an eternal home with Jesus Christ in heaven, and you do not have to worry about going into hell because you have accepted Christ as your Savior, and he has paid your atonement. He has paid for your sins, and you are joint heir with Jesus Christ, part of the kingdom of God. Oh, I wish you all would do that. And I wish you'd let me know that you've accepted Christ as your personal Savior. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for the privilege we have of knowing that you love us so much that you left heaven, stepped into a human form, became a man and, and died on a cross shedding your blood for our sins. But God, more than that, that not only did you die, but you rose again showing that you are actually this Messiah, the Jesus Christ that we were waiting for. There was 500 people, we understand at least, that saw you as a risen Savior. And so, Father, we know we can trust you. Please forgive us for our sins. Please, Lord, come into our lives and let us live to please you. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, there, there's the message I wanted to give today that Jesus Christ loves you. He's got a wonderful plan for your life. Satan is trying to destroy you, but you don't need to be destroyed. You can have victory through the plan of salvation that God has fashioned for you. If you want to get in touch with me, you know that my mailing address is Box 4031, Sun Valley, Arizona, 86025. My email address is lowercase r-e-v-w-m-w-w-o-o-d-s at gmail.com. And I would welcome you to let me know what's going on in your life. And if you have prayer requests, let me know so I can join you in prayer. God bless you, and I just hope that you have a wonderful rest of the week. 
and that you will find the peace that only Jesus Christ can bring 